0: Hello, this is Father Mike Walker of Father Mike's Podcast, Father Mike's Bible Study Podcast and the Catholic Combine, the pastor of St. Cecilia Catholic Church in Beaverton, Oregon. If you would like more information about the parish or the podcast, please feel free to email me at frmikewalker at gmail.com. And now today's podcast. So you all heard the end of that gospel is Be Perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. And uh, the first reading, it mentions it, is be holy as your God is holy. And then in uh, Luke's version, he says, be merciful as your Heavenly Father is merciful. And so as long as we're holy, perfect, and merciful like God, in every way, we're good to go. So anyway, since you've all got that mastered and I've got that mastered, uh, we don't even need to be here. But you all know we do. You know, because we need God's help in these sort of things. There was a, a bit of a goal-setting uh, lesson when I was in college, in business school. They would say, set the, set the goal so that it's achievable, because that way, once you achieve it, you can set an additional goal. Uh, but what they didn't want is they didn't want to have an impossible goal that you couldn't achieve, and then you give up. But Jesus uses a different sense goal-setting because what he does is he has what they call an impossible ideal he sets the bar to be godly and because we can't reach that that Jesus understands that but he says that we have to strive for that perfect ideal and we need God's help to be able to do that and if we don't quite get there then we just need to keep going at it with God's grace but what he doesn't want is we think, well, I've met the minimum standard. I'm good to go. I don't need to do anything else. And so this is his way of, of demonstrating that. And he does it very clearly in the Sermon on the Mount. It's uh, kind of a theme in, in Matthew's Gospel. And today, chapter 5, uh, he has six different phrases that he uses. And he says, You have heard it said, but I say to you. All right, now that's important because when Jesus is referring to things in the Old Testament or commonly culturally understood things, he's saying, this is what you understand. It's kind of like the minimum standard, but he says, but what I say to you, and and notice that phraseology, I say to you. So Jesus is now equating his words to be equal and greater than what they have heard in the scriptures. So what he's claiming here is godly authority He's claiming divine authority to be able to proclaim what God wants you to know. And so people would have heard that and understood that, that Jesus is claiming a divine authority as he tells us how we are supposed to live. And six specific areas in chapter 5 of Matthew, one deals with anger, uh, another deals with adultery, another deals with divorce, another deals with taking oaths, and then today we have the last two, which have to do with revenge and also how we are supposed to love. All right, so uh, you notice the first one when he's talking about revenge, he he says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And it's like, well, we don't typically hear that so much. But it was uh, something that was written in the Old Testament, but it also was something that was culturally understood, uh, even from the law of Hammurabi, which predates uh, many of the Old Testament works. It was something that was understood in the Middle East. And it may sound a little barbaric to say, well, if you poke my eye out, I'm poking out yours. Uh, But what it was is, it was kind of a hypothetical. And the understanding was that uh, apply that mentality into your current situation. Now, we might think, well, why why would we do that? Well, the reason is, in the ancient world, that they always escalated things. For example, if if you take out my eye, then I'm going to kill you, you know. And so they would, they would keep escalating it, and the violence would escalate as well. And Jesus' is teaching here is, okay, you've heard in the Old Testament where there are limits on revenge, you know, that you can only do what is equal to the injury. But what I say to you is don't offer revenge. All right, now, if I could use the deacon for an example here, because the first thing he says, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, offer him the left. Okay, so here's my right cheek. How are you going to strike me if you're using (laughs) your right hand? Okay. So your right hand. How do you you strike me on my right cheek? doesn't feel right, Father. No, it's okay. Hit me. Hit me. Okay, so anyway, you get the idea. But notice he has to do the backhand, right? Because what this was was more than a fight. It was an insult. And so it was a way for the people in Jesus' time to insult or offend the other person or to shame them. And that was the intention and so now when Jesus says turn the other cheek okay now let's try that again which way you gonna hit me no no you can't use your left hand remember yeah okay so see there's there's no good option for him actually because if you're a Jew you can't use your left hand because that would be considered a shameful thing for you to do and the other thing you're doing is you're saying okay if you're gonna strike me now you have to you have to either strike me with your left hand or try to do it with the right but no matter how you do it you're going to shame yourself in the process and so what he's saying is suck up your ego and take it a little bit if you have to if it's an insult because what you want to do is not retaliate or seek revenge in a way that escalates the violence and so what you're really doing is you're giving an opportunity for the person to think about what they're doing and to stop their cycle of violence as you are also uh aiding in that in that repentance or conversion that they might have instead of saying well how dare you and and escalating the violence and so this was the way that jesus was trying to get us to understand that that sometimes we don't need to be so offended it's the old thing like you know well sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt and so in other words It's like we don't always have to seek revenge or escalate violence because by not doing that, it could be something that is in their best interest and also in the best interest of others. Now, last week I was in Arkansas. I know the vacation capital of the world, Arkansas, right? So anyhow, but while I was there, we went to the Clinton Museum and uh, President Clinton, while he was president, there was the Rwandan genocide and they had a little section on that And it mentioned that the president felt terrible, that he didn't do anything to really end the violence when it started. And so he tried to make up for it later. But uh, what ended up happening at that time, it was in this country of Rwanda in Africa, that 500,000 people ended up dying because of this genocide. And it was built on revenge and hatred, and it was something that escalated to the point where it was just terrible. And I remember there was a speaker, her name was Amakule, and she's got a hard last name. And uh, she was one who survived that, and she told her story. There was also a movie called Hotel Rwanda, which uh, both of those, uh, Amakule and in the, in the story behind Hotel Rwanda, showed great compassion and forgiveness and the ability to stop that cycle of violence from, from the get-go and to be forgiving and generous in doing that. It's something that would not be easy to do, and so we understand that. All right, so now in the next two uh, examples that Jesus gives, he says if someone uh, calls you into service for one mile, go for two. And then he says if someone asks for your, your well, shirt, sure, take your cloak as well. And those were also laws. So the first one had to do with the, the Roman law that you could, you could take someone and force them to do service for a mile the army for example could take a bystander and force them to carry things for for a mile but that's all they could do and so Jesus is saying okay so if they could do it for one mile fine you know be generous give them two and his point there is don't let those uh, those infractions create resentment and a spirit of revenge in you that's going to lead to violence in the future and this is actually what happened in Jesus's time Because the Romans were an oppressing authoritarian ruler and rulers. And they tended to to really put uh, a lot of pressure and oppression over Israel. And Israel rebelled against that. The the Jews rebelled against it. And it ended up leading to the Romans coming in, destroying the temple, and killing tens of thousands of Jews in the process and leveling Jerusalem. And so Jesus kind of saw this coming. And so he was trying to encourage the Jews, okay, fine. Um, if you're in that situation the Romans may make you do a mile but you don't have to let it be something that builds up resentment in you and and will lead to worse consequences in the future Uh, the other one about the cloak was an Old Testament law saying that you uh, you had the right to keep your own cloak but what Jesus is saying here is you know maybe in your generosity you might be able to overcome this particular situation And so when it comes to revenge, for example, we've all seen those types of things where it's such a small thing that if we would just not let our ego get involved, if we would just be able to say, okay, you know what, for the sake of something greater, I'm going to accept a little bit of the shame here, but at the same time, I'm going to offer repentance and forgiveness and be generous so that this can stop and maybe God's ways can be introduced into the situation. And so it's, it's a difficult thing. I know it's like none of us want to be insulted and none of us want to be in a situation where we are wronged in some way, but hopefully we can think about it and ponder about it instead of instantly thinking, oh, I want to seek revenge and I want to get back, that we can say, what is a godly response to this? Something that will help move the situation in the direction that God wants it to go rather than being directed by what I want according to my own ego or self-interest. Alright, so the second one that Jesus talks about is love. And uh, this is another one I think is, is really misunderstood. Uh, because when Jesus is talking about love, uh, we might think that, well, okay, we have to love our enemies, and that just means feeling all happy and good about them. Or someone wrongs me in some way, and now I need to feel love like all lovey dovey and that kind of love. But he's talking about godly love, which I use an example of a good parent. Because Sometimes love is not always fluffy and and easy in that sort of way Um, But you know sometimes it is but very often it's not so uh, Jesus loved in a particular way Uh, One thing that he did is they describe him as someone who would not bruise a reed in other words If we are suffering he is like a good parent who helps us to recover from that to be restored from that and so we turn to him and we seek his comfort and his healing And his restoration, you know, so Jesus loves in that particular way Uh, Also, Jesus said that, you know, don't throw pearls to the swine lest they trample them under underneath and and so the reason why he said that is because In our generosity we have to also think about what is in their best interest and sometimes It's not in their best interest or our best interest to throw our limited resources to something that is actually going to be Uh, desecrated or used against us or be in their worst interest so for example if if someone has you know terrible addictions what you don't do is say I love you so much here's more you know you you have to look at what is truly in their best interest and sometimes that means that we have to stop when it comes to our generosity Uh, that there has to be uh, some understanding that we don't want to enable people or encourage people to sin and so that's part of that as well sometimes Uh, Jesus will say things that will sound very harsh. For example, if you go to chapter 23 in Matthew, he starts talking about these woes. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Because on the outside, you appear like whitewashed tombs, but on the inside, you're full of dead man's bones and every kind of filth. That doesn't sound very nice, does it? So the whole nice puppy dog Jesus thing doesn't work very well in those situations, but still why did Jesus do that well sometimes we need correction and sometimes that correction needs to be a little harsh sounding to wake us up he was trying to wake up the scribes and the Pharisees to realize who he was who he was and what he was trying to do and so it was kind of after trying everything else that this is kind of the last resort and to be honest there have been times in my life where I needed that from God he needed to wake me up and sometimes do it in in dramatic fashion As a kid and as an adult, my parents sometimes need to wake me up and they'll say things that are uncomfortable, but it's for my sake, for my good. And so for you kids, if you hear things that your parents are telling you that you don't necessarily like, think about this. Does this help me, if I listen to them, to make me more godly, to be more like Jesus? And most often that is the case, you know, so it's hard to hear. But if we listen uh, to God and to those using God, proper authority, then it helps us to be more like God, to, to move ourselves in that direction. And uh, the last thing we have is Jesus says, pray for your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And that's also a difficult thing to do. Uh, I remember after nine eleven, uh, we didn't have too many people praying for Osama bin Laden, you know. But that's kind of what Jesus is getting at, that people who have wronged us, that we don't want to carry that around With us forever and if we're praying for them we're asking jesus or god to intervene in that situation to help them and to help us because really honestly ultimately even people who have wronged me and those who have wronged me very very badly i want them to be in heaven i want them to be with god and so if i'm praying for them ultimately that might be the only thing i can do so you may find yourself in a situation where you know what i've tried the forgiveness and the Uh, I've tried the generosity and I, I just can't do anything more than just pray for the person and that's okay It doesn't mean we have to feel all happy inside that everything's wonderful like oh boy every time. I think of this person I just think happy thoughts But it does mean that we're giving the situation over to God and ultimately we want God to restore them and bring them to heaven and us in the process and what it also helps us to do is to be able to leave that in God's hands so we don't have to carry that burden around with us for the rest of our lives All right. the last thing I want to mention is just Lent is around the corner and there are three things that we typically do as Lenten practices as Catholics we have prayer, almsgiving and oh gee, fasting, yeah that fasting is always the hard part right so prayer, fasting and almsgiving Um, as you do that usually people will add something for Lent like okay I'm going to pray a little more or I'm going to do some act of charity that's great. Um, Sometimes we will not do things. All right, so I am going to not allow the deacon to hit me anymore. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But we will give something up, right? And we do it because uh, we want to grow in spirituality and also show some sort of sacrifice connected with the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Um, And uh, I just want to mention that whatever we do, Let's try to do something that is ultimately going to be for God's glory. So it's not for us, like, look how strong I am. I gave up chocolate. You know, but it's something that that we're really directing toward God because we love him. Because it's much easier to do things for someone we love than to do something just out of some obligation or, or just something that we figure, like, it's my goal and I want to accomplish. You know, it's more I'm doing this as a gift to God. And also remember that we can ask for God's help in that. So whatever we do add and whatever we subtract, that we think about doing this out of love and we need God's help in order to do anything. And it helps us to trust in Him as His children. And so that might be something we keep in mind as well. Uh, We're going to have many opportunities during Lent. And I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes after a week or two, you find that you've already failed. That's okay. Just say, okay, Lord, again, I'm going to trust in you. Help me. And then just kind of keep at it. And it's like that, that impossible ideal thing that it might be hard for us to be perfect like God is perfect, holy like God is perfect and merciful as God is merciful. But with God's example and the example we see in Jesus, we know that he can lift us to be better in those ways. And we need his help, but we also need his encouragement. And so we look to him for our help and for our encouragement. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. May God bless you and be with you as you live out your faith and serve the Lord this week.